1: Patriot Speed is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. The live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. Pat's pulpit's Brian Hines here, as always with Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and happy training camp Eve, everyone, because tomorrow kicks off on-field work at Gillette for the New England Patriots for training camp this summer. But they were at the facility today for their conditioning tests, so things to talk about because Bill Belichick met with the media, as uh, along with David Andrews, Matthew Slater, and Juwan Bentley, they all met with the media today, so we can jump right into it with Bill, and he shared with, some, with us who was there, and there were some big notable names there participating, and participating for really the last four days. He said Jack Jones was here with his legal case, you know, still in question but he is in the building he's to participate and then trent brown juju smith schuster after missing a lot of the sprain they've been in the building bill said the last four days and they're ready to go so some good news on that front from who's ready here when we'll kick off the on-field stuff tomorrow
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's getting real football's almost back we're getting the rain out of the way now which is great so we'll be trying nice and dry out of practice and uh we're here happy new year happy New
1: Year, they save the first days of the week for us. Though. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. gonna
0: be, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's gonna be quite the. Uh, just hydrate, bring your water, bring your gear tomorrow,
1: as always. So, I guess with those players that are there, you know, we kind of assumed Jack Jones would be here at this point because waiting till that August 18th date when he's back in court. Obviously, Bill wouldn't speak anymore about the the legal case because it's an ongoing process. I thought Mater had some good comments that, you know, you just want to listen and, and see what you can do to help them at this point. But so that was, that was expected, but the big ones to me, were Trent Brown and, and Juju and, and Bill through Tyquan in there as well, because what we've mentioned a lot is, you know, especially a guy like Trent Brown, you know, that's factor on this offense, right? You need him to at least hold down one tackle spot. Cause then you say you can just maybe, and just figure out that other spot but if you don't then you really got to figure out we call it like 34 games of two tackle spots which that can get shaky so good to see he was in there and and before days so it seems like he's kind of locked in and ready to go here for tomorrow
0: yeah and and that's encouraging we know we've seen on social media he's he's been at the facility and he's the guy i i don't feel great about their tackle situation either way honestly. And we know his injury history just cause he's out there now. We'll see if he can get through 17 games, but it goes from bad to, um you know, potentially unsalvageable if they lose Trent Brown so that he's in the building, he's in shape. uh, He's doing well. That's a good sign. Like you said, Juju and Thornton as well. We've talked a lot about their depth or lack thereof at wide receiver and we'll get into the signing they made. And I, I don't think it impacts that a ton, but, Uh, that those two guys seem ready to go as well. Look, we'll see tomorrow. We'll see what they look like. Are they in a red contact, a red non-contact jersey, et cetera. But definitely encouraging to hear that that some of these guys that, you know, I think we came away from the spring. We said two of the biggest disappointments were we didn't see Juju. We didn't see Trent Brown. We didn't get to see what they're going to bring to the table this year. And it sounds like that's not going to continue into the start of training camp here.
1: Yep. So we should get our first kind of real look at how that offensive line unit shakes out the start here, right? Obviously, the competition dial up, and the jobs are going to be won at that right tackle spot, or maybe Brown gets bumped back to that right tackle spot, and a guy like Calvin Anderson takes that left tackle job. But just, just good to see. And you mentioned red jerseys; we should get our first look. I know someone just brought up Antonio Mafi in the comments. He was red jersey sprain, right? uh Marte Mapu in that same case. So we should get a better look at some of the health here, and then. Who the pop was, Mike Unwin Davis, and who was the last name? I'm
0: forgetting it. Marte Mapu, Cody Davis, and uh, Justice Tavai.
1: Justice Tavai on the pop, so we won't get to see them. So sticking with that offensive line, we'll have some maybe competition at right guard, which could lead to Unwin new bump when he returns if one of those guys really performs well at that spot.
0: Yeah. And, and that sucks. Cause that's something, you know, we talked about this that I wanted to look for is on when we're going to get any time at right tackle. And we have to continue to go on this. I don't know. Cause we'll, we'll see, he can get activated at any point and there's been times in the past where they put guys on PUP and then they're out there for the first day of practice. And it was just a one day thing. I don't think that's going to be the case with Don Wenu, because usually that's the case for guys who fail their conditioning test. But I do, um, sorry. Uh, I, you know how much does he miss? As long as he's back by joint practices, I think they're in good shape. That's really kind of the cutoff for me.
1: I'd agree with that. And then, you know, Juju, Taekwon, Bill, a little bit on the defense. You know, we mentioned Juwan Bentley, take step in the communication process without Devin McCordy. He kind of downplayed that after he's like, you know, I've been the mic, I've worn the dot before, but right, kind of affected there with Bentley. And Slater said he. He gave the team the, the speech, you know, let's move on. Nothing else matters. So Bentley, kind of as we expected with that conch and kind of taking a step up in the leadership department too this year, as well as, you know, his play is elevated every year he's been on the field too. So, so a growing role there for him.
0: Yeah. It, it was interesting too, that he downplayed it. I, I, yeah. I found that interesting that he was like, eh, no, it's, you know, it's, it's what I've been doing. Cause I. I think he just seems like the kind of guy that takes pride in, in that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And um yeah, yeah. I think he wants it like he doesn't want to be seen as new to it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And then anything else from Bill kind of stick out with you? Those were like the people that was there was kind of the big ones to me.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, so I, I thought it was notable. He mentioned he reiterated again that, that they don't really evaluate until the pads come on. And even no, when they do, it's, it's the 11-on-11 11 11 practices. So this is going to be a continuation of the teaching period here in the next couple of days. It's actually, I think it's not until the seventh practice now that they can get pads. It used to be the fourth. But I think under the new CBA, there's a couple of days in shells. The pads don't come on until the seventh day of practice. That was interesting. Oh, the Jack Jones uh, update. That, you know, he was asked kind of point blank. Are you not kind of? He was asked point blank. Are you going to stand by Jack Jones? He said he's going to be out there practice practicing. At this point, if they were going to cut him, they would have cut him. You're not going to bring him out to practice while you're still, it it, it would be one thing if he wasn't going to practice and he was still on the team that would tell me, well, his future is still up in the air. They don't know. And they don't want to put him out there if they think something's going to come out. Whereas the fact they're going to put him out there and he's going to practice makes it seem to me like they're good with whatever happened at Logan, whatever's going to happen with his defense and all of that. They are good with it. They feel like the worst is behind them and they are going to keep him as a part of the team. So I thought that was certainly notable that, that bill and, and that's all he said. He was asked a couple you know, he was asked his personal reaction to it. He was asked another question about Jones future. And he said, he can't comment on it because of it's an ongoing legal process. But even mentioned specifically that Jack Jones is going to be out there. I thought was notable. And, and that tells me that they're, they're still with They're him. counting on him.
1: And Speaking of the offensive line and injuries here, we just got some, some, uh, three rosters on the spot here. Um, okay, Mike Reese. We have Calvin Anderson opening training camp on the non-football illness list, along with Marcus Mitchell, uh defensive end, special teamer Demarcus Mitchell, and then Justice Tavai was removed from the pop list, so he is good to go for DeMar- tomorrow. There we go. You lose another offensive tackle right out of the way. So some last minute roster shuffle there before they take the field tomorrow. Any, uh, anything there immediately for you?
0: Well, the tackle position again, you know, no Calvin Anderson. So we're not going to get a full look at it. Even as Trent Brown comes back. And that's interesting. And that's a guy that needs to be out there. That's a guy that that needs a full summer. And you got to see where he's at. If he's going to make a push to play left tackle. So, uh, that that's a little bit concerning. Anything with the tackle position at this point, too much is concerning. <laughs> and and you can add that one to the list.
1: But it's just, so it's, the, it's not injury. So maybe it's just something short. And then,
0: yeah that that's interesting. And yeah, hopefully he doesn't miss a lot of time. But I think it's still notable that again he's missing time. Yeah.
1: And then Demarcus Mitchell, kind of like that same like competition. He faces a lot of special teams competition. Because in a deep defensive end, defensive line, linebacker room, you assume he's going to have to make that mark on special teams, which is where he spent most of the time last year. So the fact that he missed some time here might not be the best start. But again, it's as you said with Bill, it's the continuation of the spring here. So maybe he won't miss too
0: much competition on this list too. So maybe he can get back pretty quickly there. Who? Sorry, who is the on this list? He has Mitchell as the injury list
1: his tweet he was okay
0: oh okay so
1: yeah yeah there anderson's Marcus Mitchell's
0: on the injury list i don't he, he played through the end of last year i don't remember him getting hurt last year
1: yeah so maybe that was an off season thing unless or, i'm
0: forgetting something
1: did he get hurt the the week eighteen
0: but, game against the special teamer there maybe it was or but maybe it was just. I remember that's the game on when who got hurt. Hang on, I'm pulling up their injury report from last year. Oh no, this is this year's. So that's not going to work. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see.
1: Yep. So we'll see with that. If we will get any updates, we speak to them Thursday before practice. So nothing right out of the gate, but we'll see there. But they did make roster. It was the other day, the 90 man roster. Diego Fago from Navy, who just screamed patriot from the get-go, and then Wyland Hurd, who's pretty much a wild card. He was a 2019 third-round pick. He was a running back, started in college, transitioned to a he transferred to Baylor. So I kind of thought he might they might put him back at running back because they needed some depth there. You know, they're kind of still, but. We asked Bill today, and he said they're going to play him at receiver. So he's hasn't played a snap since he got drafted in 2019 in the third round. So you know, just a camp body, it seems. We'll see what happens, but you know, two roster additions here on the on the back of the roster before to round out the 90.
0: 90- yeah, real quick on on Diego Fago. Like you said, I, I absolute Patriot. Yeah. I had him on my draft watch list going in last year. 6'2", 240, plays incredibly physically, uh, pure downhill linebacker, maybe has some, a potential to play a reserve role in early downs, but he's he's a special teams player. If he's going to make the roster. He's got to carve out a core role on special teams. And, and like you mentioned, DeMarcus Mitchell missing time, that, that potentially opens a door. A very smart player, so we'll see what kind of role he he carves out. That's a guy I'm more so looking for. He's definitely the kind of guy I can see them keeping on the yeah. practice but. Cause he's going to be able to do a number of things and just having him around. And maybe he gets elevated once or twice. Heard is more interesting. And I didn't get a chance to ask Belichick this today. The press conference ended before I could, but I'd be curious how they evaluated him. Cause he's, he's played like two preseason games and that's it since he got drafted and he only played one year wide receiver in college. I almost wonder if he's a hybrid tight end. Because like so cool, and we, right? Again, here we go again with these 65 so he's listed at 227. last time he measured in, which was two years ago. I've heard that he, you know, as part of, he, he was out of the league last year. And part of that was to just, he had three injuries in three years. He had a back injury his rookie year. He then tore his ACL the next year. And in 2021, he had an undisclosed knee injury. It might've been related to the ACL. Like, I don't know, but he was out of the league last year. And sp- part of what he did is get his body in better condition. And, and supposedly he bulked up a little bit. So if he comes in at close to like 6'5, 230, 235, now you're talking about maybe a move tight end, which would be interesting. And, and it's important how Bill is asked that question. Do you plan on playing him at running back or receiver? Bill said receiver, but tight end wasn't a part That's of the true. question. So receiver's obviously closer to running back than tight end is. <clears throat> I, I'm not saying like they're going to put him out there over Hunter Henry or Mike Kosink or anything, but it's going to be interesting. He's uh, but to me mainly like he's in the competition now for that fifth wide receiver role with, with booty and Douglas and, and Trey Nixon and Edley. Like he's in there. He definitely brings significant size. He might be their second best option as a true X behind Parker. Now that's a very significant drop off. And again, he's not a guy that has a lot of skill. He's big. He's got great athleticism, but he's only played the wide receiver position essentially for a year. And he hasn't played football for the most part in four years. So he's incredibly raw technically. But we'll see. Maybe his athleticism is enough to get him over the hump. Uh, he's going to be a fascinating player to watch. And then it's just a matter of him staying healthy, too. He has to stay healthy. But this is a guy that was a top 100 pick. It's was a, a third-round pick by the Niners in that 2019 wide receiver draft, that infamous 2019 wide receiver draft. By the way, Nikhil Harry had a workout with the Eagles today. And there, there's something there. And, I, you know, four years later, and a back and two and what's left, but for the 90th man on the roster, not a terrible signing. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a great signing because I think this is their idea of investing in the wide receiver position, just kind of going for long shots and hoping one hits. Uh, I would have rather them signed DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, but for what it is, on its own, not a bad signing.
1: Yep, and just another guy with like that versatility, right, for the offense. And yeah, the tight ends interesting because I just looked it up while you were. Little Jordan Humphrey was 6'4, 225. So that's like right in And that by the way, uh, just real range. quick,
0: this is notable. uh The Patriots signed, officially signed Jalen Hurd. They announced it. And that's notable because it means he passed his physical.
1: Yep. So he's healthy, at least in, yep. for the moment. Yep.
0: Healthy <laughs> enough to pass physical.
1: So yeah, that'll be interesting how they, they plan to use him. Again, they said receiver, but maybe it's that kind of little Jordan Humphrey role. And I don't know how much special teams experience he. I mean, again, he had like fifty something snaps in two preseason games throughout his career. So, really raw, really. But the traits are there and the versatility is there. So we'll see how that kind of transpires. And then, Diego, do you think there's anything there with a fullback role coming back, or we'll kind of start I, to I see with ads so. come on, but
0: so the play you're talking about is there was a play in army navy two years ago that, that he picks up a first down it was not actually a fake punt it was a bad snap that happened to go right to him i forgot really about that when nice I sent snap. that tweet out <laughs> yeah um it, like could he do it yeah again he's a strong guy who likes to throw his body around and that's pretty much a fullback that's that's the 90 percent of the position could he do it yes but i think if if they were going to have a fullback they would have had a fullback at this point. Already. They would have had a fullback with them in the spring when they were installing the offense, maybe late in the year, they get down on the goal line. They try something down there. Like, like they put something in late in the year for like, Hey, we we just need a play on the goal line. Like I wouldn't rule it out entirely, but I wouldn't expect Diego Fago to be getting multiple meaningful offensive snaps at, at any point for the team. I just think that's a long shot as much as I want to see it. <laughs> I do want to see it but i i I don't think it's gonna happen i think there's it's a real long shot that we see diego football play offense for this team
1: yeah i i'd agree with that he seems like you know if he's here he's going to be a special teams guy from the start and then maybe
0: if there is a guy they're going to experiment with with like that i think it's keon white if there's a guy they're going to bring over, not marcus jones but like if there's a guy they're going to bring over in like a blocking muscle role from the defense it's keon white who was a tight end for two years in college and it's a similar skill set, like offensive and defensive line. You're, you're sort of, it's all leverage. Like you're, it's not the same thing, but it kind of is that it, it's two branches of the same tree, kind of the skill set at a basic level for offensive and defensive linemen. So if you need a defensive lineman to give you a couple snaps as a run blocker, those guys are generally pretty well set to do it. The The ones who really understand what they're doing technically. So if, if there is going to be one of these, like Landon Roberts, I don't know. I couldn't think of his name. Remember Landon Roberts started yeah. playing fullback after Devlin got hurt that year. If you're going to see something like that, where a guy on defense, all of a sudden starts playing fullback, I, it's Keon White. It's not going to be Diego Fago. Yeah. But or not, I mean, not the Keon White's going to do it either. I think I, I just, Bill O'Brien doesn't use the traditional fullback. I'd be surprised either way, but I would expect Keon White before I'd expect Diego Fago. He'd
1: probably be in like that. J.J. Watt, tight end, Mike Vrabel, tight end role, like at the goal line, maybe. But if they don't keep a third, and they want another big body down there who can maybe threaten defenses, I would kind of be intriguing. So I, I'd agree. White would probably be the leader in that, leader in that right now. So yeah, but but we'll see there. Um, I thought there was a comment I wanted to bring up, but can't find it. So uh, any. That was pretty much it from Bill. I think that was all the roster moves lately. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, that's we. I think we got to everything.
1: Yeah. There was oh one thing I did want to bring up because we were kind of talking about it last week in our training camp preview, and then it dropped Thursday or Friday. Was they updated the player weights, and one of the right. no, there were a few noticeable ones, and the one we were really talking about. Last week was Marte Mapu, right? How how undersized he is at that position. How can he handle contact? And they updated him to 230, right? Instead of 216. So yeah. That will be kind of interesting to watch here. How he handles the contact and that athleticism going sideline to sideline after he put on 14-15 pounds here.
0: Yeah, I, I I want to pull up my full list because there's a couple of plays I want to talk about. I forgot we hadn't we haven't done a show in like a week. I forgot we yeah. hadn't done a show since that happened. So now the conversation changes. Now the conversation becomes, how well does he move at that size? Because anytime you put mass on and look, he needed he need to put mass on. I'm not saying this to, to knock him or knock them or anything like that. Like you need to put weight on and he did. And that's good. And, and there's an equilibrium, right? You know, you put on too much weight, you're not going to be explosive. If guys were just as explosive at 300 pounds as they were at 200 pounds, every corner in the league would be 300 pounds. Because it's just, it's, it's more mass. It helps you win physically. So the question, you know, and 15 pounds, 14 pounds is not a ton, but that's notable. I think that's a notable addition. Uh, So the question is now, how well does he move at that size? Because if he's just as explosive as that at that size, now, now we're really talking. Now, this is a legitimate NFL money backer. And, and you can really start having some fun with that. If it slows him down a little bit, a little bit, how much is it enough to matter? Is it not? So. Yeah. It, you know, him playing in contact for any rookie, you want to look at him playing in contact. I'm not saying that rules that out, but how well is he moving? I, I think becomes a question and the Patriots do a really good job. I talk about this all the time. I think their medical staff, their training staff is awesome. Unbelievable at what they do. And it's, you know, they put work into this. They're not just like, you need to be bigger, go eat 10 stacks of pancakes. They, they're, they figure out and they work with the player This is a weight we realistically think you should play at for these reasons. And this is the way you should put the weight on, right? Because there's different ways to put weight on fat, muscle, all of it. So I'm sure there's a reasoning behind that 230. I'm sure it's distributed a certain way. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of the end product of all of that.
1: Yep. And another player who was kind of like that was Demario Douglas. He put on 22 pounds, 170 up to 192. And that's a guy where a lot of his game is that jitterbug splot explosiveness so put it on 22 pounds how's that going to look is that going to look the same in kind of that same format as mapu there so
0: So that's that one's a little more jarring because it's the relative size right you're adding 14 pounds at 216 versus adding 22 pounds at 170. But again, it's, it's that same thing where you're looking, how does he carry the extra weight? Is he just as shifty Marcus Jones fits into this category as well. He put on 14 pounds and it's something I think he needed to do. It's going to help him a lot on defense as a tackler. It's going to help his durability, but obviously his shiftiness is a big part of his game. And, and that's going to, that's going to matter. Um, a couple other things on, I don't know if you had any other guys in that list you wanted to touch on. I've got a couple.
1: I had, like Devon Godshow, 19 yep. pounds, maybe more of a traditional n- nose tackle role this year. If they're playing that, Kendrick Bourne, he told us he bulked up uh, 15 yeah. pounds to 205. Um, Rodney Randall putting on 35 pounds. I just was kind of wild, but
0: that's awesome. Like, shout out to him. He went up from, and he's played 170. He's been in the NFL since 2019, playing at 170, yeah. and now he's at 205. My theory on that one is he's going to be playing safety is
1: yeah, so he
0: maybe thinks there, the team thinks that his path to a Ross spot is playing safety or even just like a more involved special teams role. And you've got to, I mean, special teams as physical as it gets, you've got to have more bulk. So something like that guy, he's been in the league multiple years, putting on that much weight. Who's a fringe player. Uh, That tells me, I think there's some sort of position change coming for him. Yeah. doesn't mean um, he'll make the team. Like I, I still don't think he makes the team, but Maybe that helps him get on the practice squad. You know, again, I I, I go back to that special teams thing. He definitely's in better shape to contribute on special teams now.
1: Mm-hmm. And then someone asked Taekwond Thorin. He only put on three pounds. Cole Strange. Yeah, his his
0: same. his weight change is notable in that there isn't one.
1: Yeah. Cole Strange kind of in that same. He only put on five, which is someone we were talking about maybe needs to you know, we called yeah. it the Joe Tooney plan a lot, you know, put on some masks because he got pushed around at times by some of those bigger, more physical defensive tackles last year and had some issues with them. So not much in the weight gain in in those two. I don't know if you had anyone else that kind of caught your eye that we didn't discuss. Yeah, just
0: a couple more. Gasicki actually trimmed down from 250 to 245, which, you know, is he going to be more wide receiver responsibilities? That lines up. Shalani Tavaya bulked up nine pounds, maybe getting, you know, he's kind of entering that defensive edge size now, defensive end side, which... Is probably about right. And then I thought this one was really interesting. Mac Wilson, 13 pounds from 233 to 246. He's now built more like Juwan Bentley than he is Marte Malapu. I yeah. wonder if their plan is to have him play downhill more and not as much in that money back row because he was supposed to be, we thought he was going to be Marte Malapu's backup as that athletic middle linebacker. But to play that role at 246, that's a lot. That's a big guy to be flying around sideline to sideline. So, or I may, he seems like a guy that just wants to get in the gym and get huge. Maybe it was that, but that's it. given he's a guy that didn't play on defense the second half of last year. So he kind of seemed to be on the outs of the coaching staff and now was undergone, uh, you know, significant weight, not significant weight gain, but, you know, relatively speaking 13 pounds, it's a lot for an NFL player where every single pound is managed. Uh, I did that one just stood out to me as well.
1: Yeah. And Bentley is only listed at 244. So he's actually heavier than Bentley.
0: Oh, so he, he, Bentley came down. I must have missed that cuz I've Bentley at 250.
1: Uh, Bentley's been
0: talking about how he wants to do more in coverage and be better in yeah. coverage.
1: So, he wasn't on the the list that was going around Twitter. I, I had the roster here. He's two the the OTA roster. So, he was 244, 6'2", 244, and Max 61 246 now. So, yeah, kind of kind of a reverse of roles there. So, we'll see how that kind of develops. We'll get our first look when the yeah. when the pads come on.
0: And then just Mac Jones put on some weight too. I, I don't think it was a lot. It was like four or five pounds, but he
1: it was six, he, six pounds, two, six pounds. All right.
0: Yep. That's, that's probably, I, I he, he, wasn't like oversized to begin with. So I, I think that's yep. fine.
1: Yep. So that was all I had in the weight, in the weight department there, weight watchers. But should we do, right, so let's,
0: uh, let's check in with our friends at FanDuel. And then I, th- do we want to take questions? Did we have something else?
1: We can do some questions, and then the Boston Sports Minute. All
0: right, yeah, we, we do need to save time for the Boston Sports Minute today. I'm getting ripped it. on Twitter right now. I need oh, to set boy. the record straight. Uh, but <laughs> so put put your questions in the chat uh, ahead of training camp. But first, a word from FanDuel. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
1: many you know, more doors. See, the show is called The, the deal. deal.
0: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. You ready take some questions? Yes. Let's jump into it. So we kind of talked about this off the top. If you want to rewind with Jalen gets snaps at running back, maybe even tight end. I don't think running back, and, and I I meant to mention this before. I know they filled up the roster, right? And we're all like, oh, they got their 90-man roster set for camp. They make moves through the first week or two of camp. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I, I think LJ Humphrey was signed like three or four days into camp last year. Somebody was. Yeah, he was late. Somebody was who made a late roster push. So I I don't think they're done. I do think they end up bringing in a running back, call it before joint practice is a start. Uh, so I, I don't think Hurd is like the answer at running back depth. Tight end, maybe. That's going to be interesting to watch. But he, I don't know that he would get snaps at tight end. Like I don't think he's going to be with his hand in the dirt, you know, next to the tackle. I think he could get some t- uh, Tenacious blocker, bigger ball, route tree type things. Maybe they use him. In, in more obvious running situations like they did with little Jordan Humphrey last year. I don't think he's the same player as little Jordan Humphrey He's much more athletic, but uh, yeah, I could see some tight end type stuff. I don't think they're going to play him at running back. I think if they, if they want a running back, they're going to add another true running back, which I do think they do be call it the next like three weeks.
1: Yeah. I think if he's getting carries, it's just jet sweeps reverses that type of stuff. Get him the ball and, and some speed. Yeah. You might see some of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody today. It's funny. I Brian, you're a college football guy. See how deep of a college football guy you are. Do you remember a guy named Jordan Myers from Rice? It sounds familiar. So
1: yeah, it, it sounds he familiar.
0: he played for Rice. He was in he was in the draft two years ago. He he Rice horrible. No. <laughs> horrible. But they had a joint pro day with Houston and the Patriots were there. And, and I think the Patriots were watching this kid. Six t- Two 220 listed as a, his last year had like nine and they just used him as he played everywhere. And he kind of similar skill set Jalen hurt, not nearly as athletic, not as big, but I remember like the Patriots at the time, they gave him half a glance. I don't know how much it was, but they gave him half a glance leading up to the draft. And I thought, Oh, that kind of player is an interesting idea. So maybe it's back to that. And meanwhile, Jordan Myers, I, Jordan Myers didn't even sign as a UDFA. I don't think he's played in the XFL or the USFL. I don't know what happened to him, um, but I don't know. I, for, for a minute there, I thought he was a very interesting player once upon a time. Um, If DeMario Douglas pops, would they put him in the slot instead of Juju? I, I don't think he's going to pop to that level right away. If he does, yes. If he's their best slot receiver, they're going to play him in slot receiver. I still think he's a gadget player in year one, though.
1: Yep. I'm still in that Marcus Jones offensive role. I think that's where it would be the perfect fit for him in this first in this first year here.
0: I also think that th- at that point they might just move Douglas to Z. And 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 go with Juju and Douglas on the field. At that point if he's playing that well, he's they're going to figure out a way or put Juju at the Z or something like it's good it would be taking born or thornton off the field at that point. Yeah. I think if, if Douglas is playing that well, which I mean, wouldn't be the, again, they need speed. And and that's why we've talked about it being so important that Thornton wins that, that Z spot. But if uh, Douglas is as fast as Thornton, I think. So if you can get the speed on the field, it's not the way we thought, but you can get the speed on the field. Uh, All right. Do we see Christian Gonzalez winning defensive rookie of the year? he's got to have a monster year just because th- this always defaults to a front seven player. I don't remember who the last defensive. Uh, oh, well, I guess sauce Almost. won it last year, but before that, I think it had been a while. I'm going to pull it up. Cause I'm, I'm sure I'm making myself an idiot right now. And there's more than I remember, but it, it's like defensive player of the year. Remember when Gilmore won it, it was such a big deal Yeah, because it's tough. To no the defensive back and won it.
1: It's tough to put up the stats in the secondary right. compared to a front seven player. I pulled it up quick over on FanDuel. Gonzalez is the fifth best fifth best odds for defensive rookie of the year. And it's Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson. So three straight front seven players. And yep. then Devon Witherspoon is fourth. And then Gonzalez okay, is so at that plus eleven hundred. So they Gonzalez
0: amazing. should be the favorite at cornerback. I think he's a better player than than Witherspoon is. Yep. But yeah, you get the idea there. So going back, so Gardner won it last year before him. Micah Parsons, linebacker. Chase Young, defensive line. Nick Bosa, defensive line. Shaq Leonard, linebacker. Then you have Marshawn Lattimore, Joey Bosa, Marcus Peters. So you have three defensive backs in the last, whatever that is, eight years, nine years, going back to 2015. And then to find the next defensive back, you got to go all the way to 1998 in Charles Woodson. So you're talking about almost 20 years there. And, and look, it's happened more times, more, off, more often recently, but these awards really tend to go to front seven players. So he's got to be, again, sauce was so impressive last year. And you could make an argument. It actually should have been Tariq Wolland, but the two of them were so unbelievably impressive last year. I don't think any pass rushers from that class really popped unless I'm forgetting something.
1: No, I don't think so. Uh,
0: I, why am I forgetting the, uh, the the pass rushers in that class? But it it wasn't a great year. Trevon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson kind of fell off yeah. late in the year. Kayvon was in and out. So yeah, uh, you know you didn't have this this elite pass rushing class. I think, and this year you kind of did. Yep. So it'll be it'll be interesting. To, I, I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying he can't, but the deck is stacked against him. Let's put it that yep. way. Uh, if we had to pick, who has the best chance of getting a contract extension? I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's Kyle Duggar. He's the best in the three players that are at the top of the list are Duggar, Uche, and Unwenu. He plays the most expensive position. he would be the hardest player to replace. I think he's the best of those three players. He's probably the most bought into the system of those three players. Everything points me towards it being Kyle Duggar, as if if one of those guys gets an extension, it being him.
1: And it's kind of it's a good point to bring up those two. It was Highsmith in Pittsburgh and I'm gonna forget the other one. This guy in Seattle.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah.
1: got contracts that are pretty, you could make a case or on par for what Josh Uche would be looking like as, you know, production wise. And I think Highsmith was even the same draft as Uche and kind of a similar scenario playing across from an elite rusher, you know, TJ Watt, Matt Judon. And I right. believe his deal was four, 14 or 13, 14 million a year. So I don't see, yeah, about that. I don't see the Patriots giving that. To Uche, because they don't view him really as a three-down player, right? And if a team's paying him that much money, it's probably going to be in a three-down role. So,
0: I would say the three-down player thing and the inconsistency. Yep. They Um, like players who are consistent. in Uche, again, we've talked about this. This is a pervy year for him because there's the first, whatever it is, I think 28 games of his career when he had three sacks and then the last 10 when he had 11.5. And And which player really is he? That's what we're going to figure out this year. It's a good question. In order for the Patriots to have a successful season, which position group or groups will have to outperform their current expectations. Three quickly come to mind. And I think it's, it's kind of no doubt tackle massively, massively wide receiver. I I don't know that they have to, if one of these either tackle or wide receiver has to, I don't know that both have to for it to be a successful season, which to me means they make the playoffs. Uh, But one of them definitely does. And depending on who you ask quarterback, I think the general consensus is Mac gets back to about the player. He was his rookie year, which if I think he can be that player for them to have a successful season, but some people are expecting a lot less. So maybe Mac, depending on who you ask, but tackle receiver, that's what it is. It, it's been that for three years, four years. Now that's been the position that's been, those are the positions that have bit them. So that's, that's who I have uh, needing to step up. Yep,
1: I completely agree there.
0: Although I, I guess you could kind of twist this question and say, well, the expectation for the pass rushers is very high. What if they, what if both Judon and Uche are like sack per game players? Would that be enough? If the two of those guys combined for call 30 sacks.
1: Enough to like carry a tackle and wide receiver group that just bought them out.
0: Or, or even just is as expected, which I guess for tackles is bottoming out, but I think you is like average is what we expect.
1: I think you'd kind of be where you were last year. Just going right down to the wire to a playoff spot there. Just because just all these quarterbacks, they have to like, they're going to have to put up points. Right. And, and even if these... well, the,
0: the idea being here, if Uche and, 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 and shoot on and we'll throw Barmore in there too, just like the pass rush as a whole, if they are that good, the expectation right now is that they're a top, three five were you yeah. the one or, or was i still on with mike who said that their top five unit in the league
1: no oh, that was me top five pass rush
0: yeah all right so let's say they, they end up being number one right those quarterbacks are going to be on their back a lot
1: yeah that's true
0: those quarterbacks are going to have tough days or like what if and it's just for the sake of argument like, like it's kind of I, I just having fun with the question what if the defensive backs are better than we expect what if kyle duggar does get you know some people have him as a dark horse for like the most improved player in all pro what if Kyle Duggars a definitive all pro? What if and Christian Gonzalez is the defensive rookie of the year? Like what would that mean? What would that do for their ceiling? That might actually do more than the pass rusher one. I'm kind of thinking this out in real time here. Yeah, I think not that I think these things are going to happen, but yeah,
1: because if the the secondary has outperforms their current expectations, but then you just have the pass yeah. rush meet their expectations, that would probably be the biggest thing that could happen to raise this defensive okay. ceiling.
0: I'd say no. okay do, do you think that gets him in the playoffs if the offense is I mean better than it was last year but kind of what we expect with just bill O'Brien and Adrian yeah Clemson's I think that additions. could get him there I think
1: that could squeak him in
0: okay different di- just different take yeah. on the question I think you hear this and everybody assumes like who are the bad ones that could could rise up but no what if just like the really good players are even better yeah. and they they carry those other players uh know, yeah, it has been a while since we've done a yeah. show thoughts on the updated coaching staff on the website I would not read too much into Joe judge being listed under defense. I think that's just a formality. Everything we saw this spring was him working with special teams. The NFL itself defined him as a special teams coach when they had that report about the missed practices. I don't love the assistant head coach title. I know why he has it. They don't want to demote essentially demote Joe judge and if you make uh, uh, or demote sorry cam Accord and if you make Joe judge the special teams coach, in Accords to special teams coordinator, it's very clear what happened. So you put him on defense You give him a vague title, it lets everybody save face. I think that's really all it is. Yeah, I think it's just trying to hide the fact that Cam Accord got demoted without changing his title. I yeah. besides that, no new title for Gerard Mayo, certainly interesting. And I'll tell you this, they love them some Ross Douglas. And from everybody I talk to down there, and the other understanding I get, it's respect well earned. He's come in and just busted his ass and been great. I, I think he got here in 2020. 20, Why do I want to say 2019? He hasn't been here that long. 2020. But. So, yeah. Okay. He doesn't have the assistant coach title anymore. He is the wide receivers coach as is Troy Brown. So they're technically, I guess, co-wide receivers coaches, but a little bump for him, which I think is notable because that's a guy. They really like him and DeMarcus Covington, I think on each side of the ball, those are the next guys. And I know Covington's already sort of been in a bigger role. You know, he's been in the spotlight. He did interview for some jobs back in the spring, but Those are two guys I think that they're very high on on their staff.
1: Cause they let Douglas, was he quarterbacks and offensive coordinator at the Shrine Bowl? Yeah. He had an elevated role there. Yeah. He was, yeah. Kind of that guy. And then Evan Rothstein, quarterbacks, after he was like a vague offensive assistant last year, working with the quarterback.
0: No, he was, no, he was the assistant quarterbacks coach last year, too. He was. He had that vague title two years ago. The first year he got here was like research assistant, something (laughs) he was, he was Matt Patricia's Ernie Adams in Detroit. He was like the, the nerd. And now he's the quarterback's coach. Like, I don't totally understand that one, but he's done enough now that it's all right, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I would then with titles. I don't know. I just don't like to read too much into it with this, like the Joe judge on the defense. I just don't think it's that big of a deal on special teams, which is what we saw. So
0: yeah if if we get out there and he's like right there with Gerard Mayo calling out defensive signals tomorrow, I'll be a little more worried about that. But again, I, I really feel like him being listed with the defense is just a formality. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got here? Any chance the Patriots trade for Patterson or could they see if the Falcons are willing to move on from him? the Falcons are not going to move on from Cordell Patterson. They love him and they just extended him last year. He is a core part of their team. He's an important voice in the locker room. I, I don't think – unless there was a trade rumor today I missed or something, like from my understanding, he is a big part of what they're doing there. He's not going anywhere.
1: Yep. He's a good compliment to Bijan down there, so.
0: Yeah, <clears> really <throat> is. I, I think he also might go back to playing some more wide receiver type stuff too.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Uh, if the Patriots – Get blown out in the opener and the offense looks weak. Will the fans panic? Uh, fans will panic if they win the opener because they didn't win it by enough. That's just how Patriots fans are. I, I think no matter what happens, there's going to be some level of panic. Um, even if it has to be, oh, well, you know, Tom Brady and Robert Kraft's handshake only lasted three seconds, not four seconds. Does that mean he's coming out of retirement to join the Jets? And him and Rodgers are going to start a two-quarterback offense and they're going to play the Patriots for the rest of the schedule and just beat the crap out of him every game? Like, no matter what happens, there's going to be a panic. I, I wouldn't worry to... There's a lot that, that is hard to predict between now and the start of the season. One thing I can tell you is Patriots fans will panic and, and there will be strong reactions to the season opener no matter what happens. Oh, yeah.
1: They love to panic.
0: I don't know. Is this a, like, a, am I, mi- who's Rudy? Am I missing something? I is this like a, reading a that. movie I, joke? Or...
1: I think that's a joke.
0: <laughs> okay. No, I don't think Rudy will be out there. He was off sides. They, they don't want players who commit penalties. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, do we think Gerard Mayo turned down interviews because Bill told him he was. Uh, oh, no, I don't want to. I thought that was something else. Uh, I, I thought that said, do we do we think Gerard Mayo turned down interviews because Bill told him he's the next guy? They can't technically do that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that message was conveyed in so many words.
1: A wink, wink, you know, uh, something along those lines.
0: Yeah, he had to get something because yeah. he he even said I, I think it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, he was asked about it. He interviewed for a job. I, I don't remember which team it was at the time, but they were like in a really dumpster fire position, like really bad spot. Carolina was asked what it about Car- it. He was like, it was in the Carolina. no?" This was a couple years ago. Oh, okay, it might have been the Colts. And, and he said something along the lines of basically, if you're working in coaching, your dream is to coach an NFL team. You're not going to pass yeah. that up because the team isn't good enough. You believe in yourself to turn the team around. So I think they had to do something significant in order to get him back here. And it clearly wasn't a title. I, I don't know if it's been reported, if there was a, a financial element to it. There might've been, there must've been, I would think. He did but
1: say when he met,
0: they did something to keep him here.
1: When he met with us back, like in, April around the draft. He got to sit in on some of the like coaching meeting, like the hiring meetings and didn't even say he went out to uh Oregon to see like Gonzalez or meet with Gonzalez. So a little more role over there, but I'm guessing there was something financial in there as well, you know, to incentivize him to stay. Yeah. But maybe kind of that Josh McDaniels was like, Hey, I'm gonna take you under my wing here and teach you how to be a coach and then maybe we'll give you a little pay bump and then a wink wink that you're the next one, but
0: all right, I'm going to pull this one up this is probably the last one we'll do. And we'll get to Boston sports minute thoughts on Cortland Sutton trade rumors. I, uh, where are these Cortland Sutton trade rumors? The only thing I've heard of them is people tweeting at me that there are Cortland Sutton trade rumors.
1: It was one of those like weird fake Twitter accounts that just randomly think and then people kind okay, of, okay, so they're not real. It, so, it, they're not yeah.
0: real. Um, if the Broncos want a second round pick for Cortland Sutton, I'd call him back and say, we'll give you two seconds for Jerry Judy. That's the guy I want from the Broncos. Yep. If they're trading a wide receiver, that's the guy I'm going to get. And if it costs a little more, it costs a little more. So be it. Yep. So that's where I'm at. Like Sutton's good and he can play. I'm not saying he can't, but Jerry Judy's what this team needs. Mm-hmm. Period. Full stop. All right. Let's dig into this. Cause it was a busy day in Boston.
1: Very busy uh, day. We, we should we, go, had should us, we had just had go had chronologically? Us. Sure. Or who are you? Who All are right. you getting to know uh, that Patric- about?
0: That we'll do that last.
1: Is that the um, Red Sox?
0: That's the Red Sox. Okay. Patrice Bergeron, legend. Legend. Absolute legend. I, uh, unbelievable career. He probably should have one or two more cups. I don't think that's his fault. Uh, there were other people that came up short, but man, it's a bummer he only got one cup because he he yep. should have multiple. Um, first ballot hall of famer numbers going right up all of that. It is going to be really interesting to see what the Bruins do from here because they, I mean, they just, they, they need bodies at this point. They got to fill out their roster. They don't have a ton of cap space to do it. I, uh, I assume Marshawn becomes the captain, but they're, you know, you lose Chara and, and on that quickly and Krejci, and it opens up a little bit of a leadership void. And I learned this over the weekend. This is very interesting. I didn't know. I, the diehard Bruins fans probably knew this. I apologize for being late to the party that 15 or or that first round pick that they gave to Detroit, which Ottawa now has after another trade is top 10 protected. So if you sell off some pieces, you could add picks and then potentially get your first round pick back. I know the Bruins don't want to tank. I know they want to make the playoffs every year. I get it, but I don't think they need, they don't need to be, the Houston Astros, where they're brutal for years. I think they can take one year hit reset on the cap, acquire some draft picks, and they do still have a young core. They've got McAvoy, they've got Lindholm, they've got obviously right. They've got a couple kids in, in, in the minors who are just about ready support for that group and that group with the things you can get now. So, I think if they start off slow, you know. Start selling the guys on the one-year deals. Some of the guys they, they traded for this offseason and and hit that reset button and, and really try to build this thing up. Because I think they could get back to being like a top three team in the league very quickly if they take this year and throw it to the side. Now, I know it's the centennial year and they want to be great and all of that. But I just don't see the path to them being contenders this year. And I see a very clear path to them accruing a ton of assets to build the roster back up very quickly. And that's very exciting to me. Yeah, especially because they'll have
1: like $35, $40 million in cap space next year too. So they could get assets and then just go pay a top, you know, top six center base. But yeah, it'll be, I mean, Bergeron, obviously you said it legends, very emotional. You know, he's leaving him all childhood. That video they put out where the players were talking about him, you know, that, that was sad. McAvoy had a good line, you know, we'll keep the leadership going for you. So maybe he's in consideration for the, for the captaincy here, but I just, I still struggle to see how they're just going to like bottom out because they still have, you know, pasta, the brush, they still have McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and the goaltending duo should be back. But if it's not like, and I agree, sell offs, you know, a guy like Grizzly, who's a UFA at the end of the year, some of those one, one year guys, and you can get some of those picks back, start replenishing things, and then you space next year and you're right, you're right back into it. And especially, I, I know their their farm system is widely viewed as one of the worst. But they still have some intriguing some intriguing guys there. Matthew Poitras, Center. I, I'm really high on. I think he's going to be good. Not not this year. He's probably OHL, but they they have some intriguing guys.
0: But some of those and some of those guys who are further along, like a Fabian Lysel, right? If if you sell off some pieces, you get to see him this year, and you get to kind of figure out what they are. And that, that, that could be yeah. as well. So, but again, Patrice Bergeron, uh, unbelievable career also. So I, to bring it back to the Patriots for a second, I don't think is officially retired yet. I don't, are we just assuming that happened? Is there going to be an announcement? I don't know, but for all intents and purposes, let's just assume David is retiring. Uh, Matthew Slater, now the longest tenured athlete in Boston sports, now, or, or he will be once Krejci announces his retirement. So, uh, has been the longest tenure patriot since Tom Brady left a couple years ago. And now he he's at, at, at the top of the list for the whole city. And I forget who's second. I tweeted out earlier today. Um, a couple other guys moving surprisingly quickly up that list. I I had it in front of me earlier. Um, I know David Posternock's getting up there. David Andrews is getting up there. Here it is. Okay, so Slater's gonna be number one, Marshawn's gonna be number two. David Posternock will be the third longest tenured athlete in Boston oh. sports. If Craig G retires, uh, then you'd have David Andrews and Joe Cardona who debuted the same day. Um, then Jalen Brown, Matt Grizzlick, Chris sale. And then you round out the top 10 there. You're looking at Raphael Devers, uh, Dietrich wise, Lawrence guy, James Ferentz all debuted the same day. And then Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's right on the fringe of that top 10. He's getting there. He's in the top 15, longest tenure in the city. So that happened quick. Easy list.
1: Yeah. It's pretty crazy. All
0: right. Speaking of the Celtics, Jalen Brown, max extension finally got done. I'm I'm not going to freak out that it's the biggest contract in NBA history. That's just the way the max extension works. It's a percentage of the cap. The cap goes up every year. So every year the super max is more than the year before it. This is just what it was always going to be next year. He'll no longer be the highest paid player in NBA history. It'll be Jason Tatum. Uh, they got the fifth year without the option. There is the trade kicker. Like this is a deal set up for him to stay. So that's encouraging. But now it's on the windows on two, three years. I, I don't think we can do the, can you set up the, the Celtics to win four titles, to win five titles? We got to put that aside for a second. Just get one. Just get one with this core. Don't miss this window. And then you can worry about winning multiple. But they've got to get it done this year yep. or in, call it in the next two years. But I really think this if you year.
1: get one, no one cares about the contract anymore. Right. And like I didn't see another path they really you weren't going to trade him for something that was better than Jalen Brown or whatever that package would have been. And you couldn't just let him walk. So you kind of had to bring, you know, it is set up so he can stay. But Yeah. You have, you have two or three years of this while he enters his prime here, quote unquote age wise. And then it's not working there. You're going to have to, that's when you kind of have to blow it up here and maybe shake up this core, but it's up to them, which is how it should be. You're too If they can't do it, then you got to get rid of one. So, yeah, but I, I, I was happy that got done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Glad it got done. And, and, uh, Enough enough of the delay. I was getting unoptimistic, honestly, yeah, was- with all the talk about optimism. I was like, what the hell's going on here? But it was weird. How- son, and then it was a little yeah. weird. It, it was a little weird. Finally, the Boston Red Sox made a trade today. They traded Kike Hernandez to the Dodgers. Good riddance. Uh, he's a super fun player in 2021, but not a shortstop. And it, this is what I'm getting attacked for on, on Twitter, Brian. I tweeted this. And look, it's my own fault for wording it this way. I tweeted the four shorts, st- the top four shortstops for the Red Sox this year after losing Xander Bogarts. Trevor Story, DNP due to injury. Alberto Modesty, DNP due to injury. Keige <laughs> Hernandez traded a clear out of Rock Chang, missed two and a half months due to injury. The point was not like, oh, hey, they should have kept Xander Bogarts. I understand why they let him go. I it, It's my own fault for putting Xander Bogarts in there and making it about him. The point is, knowing they were losing their short- starting shortstop. The Red Sox did not adequately prepare to staff the position this season. Story has had elbow injuries going back to Colorado. He got his surgery in January. They then traded a week later for Adalberto Mondesi, who had a tour, was coming off a torn ACL, who you knew couldn't miss time. I don't think anybody expected him to miss this much time, but you knew could miss time. Kike Hernandez had played less than 50 games in his career at shortstop. I know he's a utility player, but that was more of a plug-and-play thing, not an everyday thing. And then you were in the group of Yu Chang, uh, who doesn't have a ton of major league experience, Pablo Sandoval, who the A's didn't want, who they claimed off waivers from the A's, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it has nothing to do with Xander. I understand. I I wouldn't have let Xander go, but I understand why they let Xander go. I get it. But you can't sit here and tell me that they were adequately prepared for his departure because they weren't. And I know Marcelo Mayer's coming. Great. And Trevor Story's even coming back in a couple of weeks. We're already four months into this thing. You don't just get to throw the four months away. Oh, but they're only two games out of a playoff spot. Oh, but they're better than they were last year. Great. Mm-hmm. They could be even better. They could be in a playoff spot. And I, I, frankly, I don't care about last year. Last year's last year. The goal is not to be better than last year. The goal is to make the playoffs and try to win a World Series. So I, I don't want to hear that, oh, well, they're better than they were last year. And oh, they're better than the Padres who ended up getting Xander. I don't care. That's not the point. And again, it's my own fault for putting Xander Bogarts in that tweet. The point is, it's the most important position on the diamond besides pitcher, and they didn't have major league talent to staff it. And they could have. They very easily could have. And maybe, yes, they'll get Trevor Story back for a run here, and that's great. But they're playing catch-up now. They're not in a playoff spot as we you know, approach August. If they had a real shortstop this year, how many games did they lose? Because Kike Hernandez was yeah. throwing the ball into the dugout. Or because they had to put guys out there for their defense who couldn't hit. One game, two games. Well, if it's two games, then boom, they're a playoff team right now. That's that's my frustration with the Red Sox that it got to this point at shortstop. Yep,
1: I I get it. It was Kike was so fun in that twenty one postseason. It was tough to see him have this year. How much of that was moving the shortstop time? You know that's up for debate, but. Yeah, I mean, it's encouraging. They're two games out of the playoffs having this rotating door. Out. But, yeah, maybe if they were – if they had, a like, a major league body there that could play it, you know, five five times a week, you want to call it, then maybe they are in that they're not throwing the ball in the dirt every other inning there. So encouraging but disappointing at the same time, if you kind of, like, play like that. But – We'll see. You. I'm I'm glad they're making glad they're making some moves here and Trevor Story coming back and I'm not even going to say Chris. Who knows what's going on with Chris Sale? I mean, he threw a pen, yeah. I think, but you just don't want to rely on him. But I, I I like what they're doing. I like the core. Are you well? I've heard Verdugo might be a guy who gets moved which would kind of be a weird move. that would be so.
0: interesting i feel like that's more of a thing in this off season where you go to arbitration with him get him and then and then move him i think they're going to want his bat i think duval's the guy that goes they do have to trade an outfielder yeah, but i think it's Duval stacked um yeah because they they still need pitching again i'd love for them to trade for shortstop i don't think they will because i don't know how, how trevor Story's elbow is going to hold up but i will say though too to bloom before i get accused of just bashing bloom for no reason he, he got a, the, the Dodgers 25th best prospect for Kike Hernandez, which isn't nothing, I mean, which isn't great, but it's also not nothing. Like this, is, I, think I thought they were going to DFA Kike. And they got a guy who's pitched in the majors this year, could maybe give them some innings out of the bullpen, even just eat innings, which they need at this point. So I'll, I'll give him that. That's a good return for a guy that is at absolute rock bottom in terms of his value. Yeah,
1: He does really good on returning value in, in most of his trades,
0: I would say. Yeah, just not the big ones. Okay.
1: <laughs> the Mookie one,
0: the small ones. Yeah, no, he'll he'll deal like the he'll he'll deal the third best reliever in Worcester and get a guy that can actually kind of play a little bit is is a third or fourth arm in the bullpen. Just don't have to trade Mookie Ben. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that was we don't have to rehash Mookie, but right. Uh, anything else Boston sports wise? Yeah, to get off your chest from a busy day.
0: Um. I mean, day's not over, but mm-hmm. I, I I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So we'll say Well, they're playing. They're playing the Braves tonight, who are the best team in baseball. So that'll be two game series. Uh, gonna be telling. Yep. John Traber
1: back starting tonight. So yeah, we'll see. And then the yep. greatest reliever of all time comes after. This, so we'll see what happens there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think that'll do it for us here. Tonight, we will be back throughout the week to recap training camp as it comes and goes. So make sure you are subscribed to the channel and turn your Patriots press pass notifications on so you do know when we go live. But until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it these days at RealAlexBarth. Go read stuff at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my stuff at patspulpit.com. Thank you all for tuning in and we will see you from training camp tomorrow.